And so I would not compare it at all to your services. Your services were very different than anything else that I had used in the past and definitely more of what I would consider a mentor. Welcome to the Child Life Wildlife Podcast, a platform dedicated to sharing the honest ins and outs and vulnerable truths about the child life profession with your host, Jessica Lewin. Come and gain tangible next steps and confidence as you learn how to use your child life skills, protect your mental health, and glean inspiration, hope, and ideas from fellow certified child life specialists, students, and professionals. And now, here's your host, Jessica Lewin. Hello, and welcome to the Child Life Wildlife Podcast. Today, I am going to be talking to one of my past mentees, Caitlin Barron. She is now a full-blown child life specialist, and I'm super, super proud of her. We worked together last year at the beginning of COVID, which made it extra competitive and stressful with that added layer of multiple applicants, COVID having restrictions, and all sorts of other things along the way. She, however, had a unique experience that I was really drawn to. She came from a previous profession working in counseling with children. She was also able to complete a virtual practicum. She was one of the first to do that at the beginning of COVID when all the shutdowns happened. And she's just a great person. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Caitlin Barron about mentoring in the child life profession. Hi, Caitlin. Thank you so much for being on the Child Life Wildlife Podcast. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. I am excited for you to talk a little bit about being a past mentee of mine, but also just mentorship in general, because I think that that is so important for students and for professionals. So for starters, could you just tell me and my listeners a little bit about you? Sure. So my name's Caitlin. Um, right now I am currently working. I just finished my internship and I'm working as a child life specialist. Um, some little things about me is I really like to travel. I like to spend time with friends and family. I have my master's degree in social work. Mm -hmm. I like to read when it's nice weather. So summer Mm -hmm. weather is really great. Yeah. And anything involving the ocean is something that I enjoy. So, yeah. Your degree in social work was something when we started our mentorship together that really drew me to you because I was like, oh my gosh, you have such a unique way of getting into this profession. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Of course. Yeah. So when I was probably about like 15 or 16, I took a course in psychology, loved it, knew I always wanted to work with kids. And so then, you know, 15 year old me was like, psychology and kids and I like helping people let's just combine all of that and we'll do child therapy Mm -hmm. and so when I started going to college I got my bachelor's degree in psychology I had talked to a few of my professors there that had like private practices and were doing therapy and still like that was the route that I was going to take and I was kind of between getting my doctorate like my PsyD or getting like a master's degree in counseling. And they, all of the people that I had talked to had really recommended getting my master's in social work, especially Mm -hmm. because I wasn't interested in the research aspect of a doctorate degree. 
And then that would open up some more options for me if I decided to do something other than therapy in the future. And I think their envision, like their vision of that would be if I wanted to do like DCF work or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I went, I graduated with my undergraduate degree actually in three years. I had taken some AP classes in high school and a lot of extra credits throughout the three (laughs) years that I was there and finished a year early. So again, went right into my master's degree following graduating with my bachelor's. And when I was in my social work program, there were a couple things that I was learning and I was like kind of on the fence about and was like, no, I've wanted to do child therapy for however many years at this point. Like that's the path that I'm going to go on, even if I have like a little bit of doubt. Graduated and went into the field and actually started a job doing child therapy And I loved the actual work part of that job, but there was a lot of logistical things that I found I didn't love about my license and the restrictions that that had and just some other like logistical things with the job in general. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of like a monumental moment for me because this was something that I had thought I wanted to do for the last, at this point, like six to eight years of my life. Right. Um, And like everyone I knew was like, yeah, you're going to be a great child therapist. And so to like start telling people like, maybe this isn't what I want to do was really tough. Mm -hmm. So I started doing some research because I also had an enormous amount of debt from those two (laughs) degrees. Yeah. And still loved working with children and helping them in some capacity. So I was hoping to find something that allowed me to still do that, but didn't require me to go back for like another degree. And in my research, had just so happened to discover child life. Mm -hmm. And when I found it and started reading about it, it was like everything that I had wanted. Like all of the stuff that I loved about my job, I could still incorporate somehow into this job and didn't have all of those pieces that I didn't love about my old job. Right. And I started diving into a ton of research, like watching all the videos on YouTube Mm -hmm. of like child life specialists talking about their role, reading like everything under the sun that the like ACLP had on their website, and then started telling all of my friends about this great new job that I found that I really liked. And one of my friends had said, I have a friend who's actually studying that. Like, do you want me to connect you with her so Mm -hmm. you can kind of ask questions and um, get more information about it. And so she had connected me to her and that's kind of where I started going along that path to switching careers. Yeah. I remember working with you and going, she is really impressive. And I think it's because you already had a professional aspect underneath your belt of working with children in a professional setting and kind of, um, knowing the ins and outs of that. And so with such a competitive field, I think that gave you a leg up. Because it did, yeah. You know, for a job that is so competitive, you at least were able to talk the talk in a way that I'm Mm -hmm. sure benefited you in interviews greatly. Yeah. So, along with the competitive nature of the field, did you feel that you were well prepared either through education or word of mouth? Like, you didn't go specifically for child life throughout your undergrad or for your master's, so maybe more word of mouth for you. But regarding how competitive this field was prior to entering it? I feel like education-wise, I felt pretty prepared, mostly because my goal in all of this always was to work with children. So even when I was in my undergrad, like, I got 
a minor in child development, which Mm -hmm. I was able to apply a lot of that knowledge into the field. And, but in terms of competitiveness Mm -hmm. in the beginning, not so much. And that friend of a friend that I had spoken about, she had kind of answered some of my questions because I was like, well, it says the practicum's not required. So like, do I have to do one? And she had told me, you don't, but (laughs) it's so competitive that you probably should. Yeah. And then that's kind of where I started learning more about that. And she had also connected me to like the Child Life Connection Student Forum on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, And so once I started kind of looking at people posts on there and learning a little bit more about the process, I started realizing more and more just how competitive it was because people were saying like, I've applied for four rounds and like still haven't gotten an internship or I applied to like 40 places like this round. It was like really shocking in the beginning, like Mm -hmm. learning all of that. Um, And then I kind of started panicking once COVID rolled around and all of my plans changed uh, and things got in the way of the traditional path that I was hoping to take. Once I did my practicum, I started to learn even more and I felt pretty prepared like in that process that yeah, it was a pretty competitive field. Yeah. Have you had any mentors in your life prior to using my services? I've had like my thesis mentor, Yeah, but that was the, the professor that I had just picked to help me write my thesis. And oh, okay. so I would not compare it at all to your services. Okay. Your services were very different than anything else that I had used in the past. And definitely more of what I would consider a mentor because you specialize in this field as well. And it wasn't just somebody who, you know, is great with grammar, great with spelling and can like read your things and fix those. Like you know exactly what most of these places are looking for. And that was one of like the really helpful things because I could have had my parents or a friend review my application, but they have no idea what they're looking for. Yeah, And so to have somebody like you, who knows the ins and outs of everything. And also just to be able to be there to answer any questions that I have with the process was Mm -hmm. super helpful. Yeah. When did you realize that you wanted to use my services to help improve your application and interview skills? Because especially for you coming in with all of your professional experience, what made you seek out a mentor? So I had discovered who you were, I think through the Child Life Connection page on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And I had seen people kind of talk about using your services, then followed you on Instagram. And I quickly learned through your Instagram what your personality was like. I was <laughs> yeah. like, this girl is so sweet. She, like, she seems like she, I just felt like I got the vibe from you that taking criticism or like feedback from you mm-hmm. would not make me feel any negative feelings or like judged mm. in any way. Like you just felt like super open and just comfort. Like it yeah. was a comfort thing. So the reason why I started thinking about using your services was because I had already gone like into a professional field. And for me to think about having to go back to school or like take this big gap, like I had student mm-hmm. loans to pay. Like right. I was like well into like a career at that point that like it didn't make sense to like take years of trying to get into this new field. Yeah. And I wanted to do it right and wanted to do it right the first time. Mm-hmm. So I felt like if I used like a mentor service, then they would 
whoever helped me would be able to make sure my application looked great that first time that I was sending it in and that I felt confident and prepared with my interview question answers. And so long story short, that's kind of why I just wanted to feel confident and prepared. And I felt like I could get that from using a mentor service. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think what I specialize in is like what you said with the application review and then the interview, but like just because you use my service doesn't mean you will get it on the first try. So (laughs) I mean, it's good to have just in your back pocket, but that it's just so, so competitive that I think using the services in order to give you a little bit of a leg up or at least help you understand what to expect in the process. I think that's what's beneficial too, but it worked out really well for you. (laughs) And I went into it not, not thinking that I was going to get one. Right. Because of how everything played out for me with COVID. Yeah. I felt confident because I had a master's degree and had some sort of related experience in a professional career setting. Mm -hmm. But my practicum was virtual and Mm. I was not so sure. And I think everyone was hoping that it would be well received by internship sites, but not, we weren't so sure that it was going to be. And so I was a little worried that I was up against people who maybe this was their second or third time applying, but prior to COVID had completed that in-person practicum or maybe two in-person practicums. Yeah. Uh, And so I just didn't know how I would hold up against some of those other people. And so I wanted to make sure that everything that I could do on my end in the time frame and like with COVID limitations, like that when I sent those applications in, like I was at that point in time, the best that I could be. Yeah, definitely. So there's a lot of advice that I give to students. What is one thing that you've kept with you and continue to remember or utilize? I think the thing that I remember the most is when I was doing my interview, I was giving the right answers and was feeling really confident in what I was saying, but also a little unsure Mm -hmm. because I just was not used to that process. That was the first time I'd ever done an interview because again, my practicum was supposed to be, um, I was actually supposed to go to South Africa and that Mm -hmm. interview process was a little more informal than I, I think what a typical practicum interview process would be like. Yeah. And with my virtual practicum, it was more so just an extending of an offer and not so much of an interview that I had to go through. Mm -hmm. So when I did my interview with you, that was the first real interview that I had where I was asked any sort of related child life questions. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like I knew the answers deep down. But when I was answering them, I would end them with long sentences, like long words at the end or like (laughs) throw in a couple things. And it just made it it seemed like I was less confident in my answer. And you were like, stop doing that. Like, you know, your answers, <laughs> just finish it and just end it like with a period and you're good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's something that I've actually tried to like stick with in like my normal life. Yeah. When I have conversations or even with staff at the hospital, like if I'm advocating for a patient, like I try to make sure that like what I'm saying to them is strong and that I feel confident because otherwise they're going to look at me and they're going to be like, hmm, I'm not so sure about that. And maybe we don't have to follow what you're thinking is best for this kid. And so even now, like I still try to sound really confident in my answers and make sure that I finish strong with whatever I say. Yeah, I think that is such an important part. I mean, I know you said the virtual practicum that you did. Was that with Belinda? It was. Yeah. Were you the first round of that? 
I was. You were. Okay. Because I know yeah. she's continued to do that throughout, you know, quarantine and, and stuff. And I know the process has changed too. Yeah. But that first time, that was a really great opportunity for the people who were like, but I, my practicum got canceled, like especially for yeah. the ones that were going overseas. And so having that on your resume, you know, and not really sure how well that would be received, all of the other things on your resume and your application, because it, you know, didn't have a lot of grammar mistakes and was really well, well laid out and well, well said, got you the interview. And I think mm. students don't always realize that, I mean, once you're usually past that, then it's just the interview. You know, it's like if you get the interview, then you just got to be continuing to be good for the interview process because people connect, especially, especially, I mean, over Zoom was kind of all we had for interviews during COVID times. But if you're confident and you're exhibiting confidence in your answers over Zoom and they leave the interview with you and go, oh my gosh, Caitlin is amazing. She answered all those questions so strong compared to somebody else that maybe had a little bit better resume than you or had that in-person practicum. It's not going to really matter because what they saw in the interview was what they think you're going to bring to the table in real life, you know, everything yeah. else was just written. So the interview, I always say, is more important. Well, yeah, I guess that's hard to say because <laughs> the written gets you the interview, but then the yeah. interview is what gets you it, you know? Yeah. So they kind of piggyback off each other. They do. But yeah, being able to really nail those interviews is important. So I'm glad you were able to do that. Yeah. So for the last three questions, they're ones that I ask everybody who comes on the show. So the first one, if someone's listening today and they're really resonating with what you're saying about seeking out a mentor, what's a tangible action step that they can take just one thing to get them on the right path? For me, I think what sealed the deal with wanting to work with you, like I said, was just getting to know your personality and how Mm -hmm. comfortable I felt working with you. And that was something that I learned by following you on Instagram and kind of, you know, looking at your posts each week and kind of seeing what you would say, because you post a ton of stuff on there, Mm -hmm. both personal and work related. Right. And so kind of being able to get a sense of your personality, but also hear the kind of feedback that you were giving your students Mm -hmm. was really helpful. And so I would say if anybody doesn't already follow you on Insta, (laughs) definitely (laughs) give you a follow. And then just also just reach out to other people. Yeah. And even if it's not specifically related to a mentor, but just related to like child life in general and wanting to learn more about the field. Like I've had people who I think probably from the Child Life Connection page mm-hmm. realize that I have previously majored in social work and they I've had quite a few people reach out and they say, hey, I'm also kind of thinking about switching fields. Can you give me some advice or tell me about your experience? And so I would definitely recommend like if you have any questions about the field in general to reach out to other people. Yeah, those Facebook pages are really great jumping boards to get you to network with people who have already replied to comments there or have posted things and you go, ooh, that's what I was looking for. I should talk to her or him. So that's really, really good. I do have lots of students that do follow along and listen to this podcast. So what is one thing that you'd say to them as a tip for moving through this profession? Definitely, you have to be resilient. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think that this is always an easy field to go into. 
And even once you become a certified child life specialist and you're working in the field, there's still always going to be hurdles that you have to overcome, whether it's a kid that's especially struggling and you know, you've tried a million things and nothing that you're doing is working. Like you have to get creative and try Mm -hmm. something new. Or it maybe it's a difficult staff member that you're working with that you're having a really hard time kind of getting through to or building a trusting relationship with. And so there's just always going to be something that you're working to overcome. And Mm -hmm. you just have to be resilient and keep pushing. The resilience does not stop at the student section. (laughs) It continues the whole way through. So I agree. So along with my brand of Child Life Wildlife, going along with the podcast title, if child life is a wildlife, what has been the wildest part of your experience so far? So I think there's two things. One is navigating this during COVID, which is not a unique thing. Many other students had to navigate this during COVID, but it definitely changed the way that things were planned out for many students. But also part of my job right now is being like a float person Mm -hmm. on the hospital team. And so that's been pretty wild because one day I'm in one spot and the next day I'm in another and navigating different teams and different environments has been pretty crazy, but I'm definitely getting used to it. And like, I kind of like the different environments each day, but it's definitely it, it definitely changes things up pretty frequently. So yeah, COVID was wild. And I mean, I know you think that many other people went through it. But I mean, five years from now, you guys will be the only year that went through the global pandemic. So hopefully, yeah. knock on wood, like, <laughs> let's just have that be one time. But truly, that was very unique. And yours was especially right at the start of it, which was made it 10 times worse. So yeah, yeah that is wild. Well, thank you so much for deciding to come on the show and talk a little bit about mentoring and being a past mentee of mine. It's been really cool to watch you continue to grow. And I'm so proud of you for being a child life specialist now. You're just like full grown. It's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Very exciting. Thank you. Thank you.